0: Said in Matthew 28, verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Pastor Owen Ellis. The
1: title of our sermon for this morning is Balance. Can we bow our heads? once more. Heavenly Father, please speak to us this morning. Amen. It was June 30, 1859. Jean-Francois Gravelet, and your French might be better than mine, he was better known as Monsieur Charles Blondin. He became the first person to cross the Niagara Falls gorge on a tightrope. All that supported Blondin was a hemp rope. The rope was about two inches in diameter, just hemp, and it was 1,300 feet long. Now, if you do get the conversion, that is just short of 400 meters. That's a long way to walk across a rope. That's all he had beneath him. And in a mere 23 minutes, and some of you have been to the Niagara Falls there, in the mere 23 minutes, he crossed that gorge across to the Canadian side and back again. And on the way back, he stopped. He pulled off his back a camera. Now, that's not like a phone to take a selfie on. That didn't exist way back then. It's not a GoPro. He sets up this whole camera and takes a photo of the crowds who'd gathered to watch on the United States side of the river. Blondin eventually made an estimated 300 crossings of the Niagara Gorge. Each time he did one thing was absolutely critical. What was that? Well the rope the rope was very important something else though for blondin balance balance in, in fact balance was the one thing that made the difference for blondin between life and death we've discovered balance is important with cheers When it comes to the Christian life, balance is important too. But let me say this from the very beginning. Balance does not save me. Only Jesus Christ saves me. We've read it in our scripture reading. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Uh, so, knowing God, a relationship with God is what counts. But the question is if this relationship is so key, what can I do to support the relationship? How can I get to know Him better? How can I grow closer to the one who saves me? So this morning I want to look at the um, four legs of our relationship with God. In order to have a strong and growing relationship, I believe we need all four legs. Now, some of you have spotted some legs lying around, um, wooden legs that is, and I have the Base or the seat of the stool, and we're going to assemble it as we go and look for the different legs. I'm wondering, does anyone have a leg with number one close to them? Uh, You might like to bring it up or find a younger volunteer to bring it up the front as we examine the first leg of the relationship stool. Here we go, we've got a young man just bringing that forward. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew, can you tell us what the first leg is?
2: Bible study.
1: All right. The first leg is the leg of Bible study. Thanks, Andrew. So we'll just um, see if we can slot this in the stool here. or try and match my markings. How's a one-legged stool? Are you ready to sit on it? Not quite yet. Let's have a look at the leg of Bible study. You know, if eternal life comes by knowing, knowing Jesus, then one of the most important things to focus on in our Bible study is study for or reading for relationship. You know, there's atheists who make it their business to study the scriptures as a text, as a historical text. There's no relationship involved at all. It might be an interesting exercise for them, but there's no relationship. We need to be reading for relationship. Julie shared with us that that Jesus challenged the people of his day. He said, you're studying the scriptures all the time because you think you find eternal life in them, but these are they which testify of me, and you would not come to me that you may have life. You need to come to me. He said to have life. You know, in John 17, 9, Jesus said, eternal life is by knowing God and Jesus Christ. So how do we get to know God? Well, John 14, 9 helps us with that. Because Philip came... Well, Philip spoke to Jesus. He was having a discussion there in the upper room. And Philip says, we want to see who? We want to see the Father. Show us the Father. How did Jesus reply? He said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. In other words, if you want to get to know God, what we, what we, where we start is we look at Christ and Scripture and whatever we see Jesus doing, that's the same thing as the Father would do. That's how we learn what the Father is like as we see what Jesus is like. Now, if we're wanting to discover what Jesus is like, What's the first part of Scripture to begin with? If you want to meet Jesus as a, as a person, and remember Jesus shows us God, which part of Scripture would you begin with to find out what Jesus is like? You can be brave. One of the Gospels. The Gospels are the stories of the life of Jesus. And we see Jesus most clearly in the Gospels. Most clearly in the Gospels. You know, it's in the Gospel stories that we get to know Christ. You watch Jesus working with people and talking with people and doing things to help people, and you see that that's just the way that he would treat us if he were here today. We hear the words he speaks to others, and those are the same kind of words he speaks to us. Have you ever read through the story of the paralytic? There's this man, he's carried by his four friends and he's lowered through the roof and he lays there on the floor and he looks up at Jesus and what are Jesus' words to him? Get up and walk. Jesus says something before that. What does Jesus say? Son, your your sins are forgiven. How many times have I needed to hear that? That's Jesus speaking to me too. That's relationship building as I engage in that story, step into that story, and I get to know God better through the story. I encourage you, the stories of the Gospels, beautiful stories for coming closer to Jesus Christ. You know, as, as we spend time in those stories, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit can then bring Jesus' words and he can bring situations back to our minds at the times when we need them. And we start to have this connection with God, this, this relationship with him as he also speaks to us. Now, some people believe the Gospels is all we should ever read. Did Jesus support that? No, I'm saying the gospels are a great place to start. If you're going, where do I start? Start with the gospels a little bit at a time. But you know, Jesus said, He said, you, you search the scriptures, but these are they which testify of me. And when Jesus spoke to the people in his day and he said, You're looking into the scriptures, what was he meaning? The Old Testament. The New Testament didn't exist, it hadn't been written. Okay? And so Jesus said, You can even find me. In fact, you should find me. In fact, I'm the main theme if you look for it in the Old Testament. It testifies of me. So we can read through the whole of Scripture and looking at it through the lens of Jesus. As we do, there's some good questions to, to ask as we look at the whole of Scripture as we study the different stories. And admittedly, some of them can be a little bit confusing. Um, I skipped that. What, what happened there? Um, sorry. Here's some questions to ask yourself. What is the story telling me about God? You now, it's easy to read straight through a story and go, yeah, I know that story. I know the story of Joseph. I know the story of Daniel. I know the story of the paralytic, whatever But stop and say, what is this story telling me personally about God? Is it telling me something about my condition? The human condition, maybe. And is there an an invitation there? Is God inviting me to respond in some way? You know, when I read... The Bible, with these questions, it grows my relationship with him as it gives him the opportunity to communicate with me. You might like, as you do that, to take out a pen and a little journal and just just write down some short notes on what you're seeing from that story and perhaps even a, a response to God. Thanks for showing me that. And as we do that, we're reading for relationship. There's something else that is also an important aspect of Bible study. And it's like another reason for studying the Bible well and the whole of the Scripture. And that is so that I know who I believe, what I believe, and why I believe. 1 Peter 3.15, Peter encourages us, Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. You know, I should be able to explain from Scripture why I have hope, why I believe what I believe. Paul said to Timothy, he said, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, one who rightly divides the word of truth. You know, if, if we're going to rightly interpret or understand scripture, well, we need to be reading scripture in the light of scripture. We need to be working our way and spending time in the whole of the Bible. We need to be letting the clear passages explain for us the less clear passages. And there are less clear passages there. But unless we've read the clearer ones, where will we be able to get a good foundation for understanding those things that might not be quite so clear? You know, we can be challenged regularly with different ideas coming up. And in First Thessalonians 5.21 Paul says, test all things. Test all the ideas that come up. Test them against what? Against Scripture. It helps if I'm spending time to familiarize myself with what's in there. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. You know, that is important. Uh, because if I don't do that, I may very well end up with the wrong idea about God. And if I have a wrong picture of God, that will impact my relationship with God. In fact, there's many people who don't even want to know God, the God of the Bible, because they don't have the right picture of him. How many people have said, I don't want to know a God who tortures people forever in hell. Do they have the right picture of God? Oh, we need to read the whole of Scripture. We need to study Scripture so we have the right picture of God because that then supports our relationship with Him. Does someone have um, leg number two? All right, another young man. Thank you, thank you, Mel. (laughs) Mel, what's leg number two?
0: Well, I'm glad it's prayer because I thought somebody was going to attack me.
1: (laughs) With a stick. (laughs) Thank you, Mel. The second leg on the stool is the leg of prayer. I might need to get gentle persuasion out here. Ready to sit on this stool? Not yet. Important leg, very, very important. Thanks, thanks, Phil. Let's take a look a little more at um at this leg. You know, I find it encouraging to note Jesus' example. Mark chapter 1, right at the beginning of Mark's gospel, one of the first things Mark tells us, that after Jesus has had a really busy Sabbath, the disciples are looking for him the next morning and they, can, they cannot find him. Why? Because Mark one thirty five reminds us that in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. Was that the only time that Jesus spent time in prayer? No, let's have a look at Luke 5, verse 16. Uh, Let's open our Bibles to Luke 5, 16. And someone tell me what we read there. Luke 5, 16. What does this tell us about Jesus' prayer life? Often, Thank you, Gary. Jesus often withdrew. Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. It was his habit. Prayer was a habit for Jesus. You know, the disciples noticed how frequently Jesus prayed, how important prayer was to him. And they had often come across him. They'd be looking for him and they'd come across him and he would be still in his prayer time. And they were attracted to it. They wanted to be able to pray like Jesus. And so in Luke 11 verse 1, we find the disciples coming to Jesus, and they ask Him something. They say, "Lord, teach us to pray." You know, I'm actually encouraged by the fact that the disciples needed to learn to pray. I guess they needed to unlearn some ways of praying if you look at the way prayers were often given by the pharisees that in the new testament they wanted to learn to pray as jesus prayed but the question is what was the purpose Well, What was the purpose of Jesus' prayer and what did they see in Jesus' praying that attracted them to want to know about it? What was the purpose of Jesus' prayer? Why was he praying so often? To show them the Father? His relationship. Jesus knew the importance of maintaining a vital connection with the Father. He knew how important. That was so special to him. He would sacrifice sleep in order for prayer. And, and you know, I, each time I reflect on this, I think, my life looks like I think I need prayer less than Jesus did. Too often, my life looks as if I need prayer less than Jesus did. Prayer is about maintaining a living connection, a vital relationship. It's relational. I love this little quote. It's a reminder of that, about the relationship, dynamic relationship aspect of prayer. Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. The opening of the heart to God is to a friend. That means I'm not just coming onto my knees and giving every second word as "Please, please, please." I request an important part of prayer? Yes, B- but you know, if you only ever come to a friend with a please, what happens to the friendship? It's not going to grow. Friendship grows as we talk together in, in, in dialogue, in, in conversation. You know when it comes to not just saying please, I'm, remember, I'm reminded of First Thessalonians 5 where Paul says pray without ceasing. That's interesting. He wants us to constantly be sending up prayers to God. That's relationship. And then he says in everything give what? In everything, give thanks. Man, I don't do that very well. There's some things that happen. I'm like, what am I supposed to give thanks for here? I forget. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The importance of continually thanking God. You know, one of the things that we encourage our participants to do when we run the depression program is to list, is to create a gratitude journal and in their gratitude journal each day to list at least three things that they are thankful for because it's been shown that an attitude of thankfulness helps to elevate the mood and to lift us. And I've even heard stories of people who have been in deepest, darkest depression. They would have been diagnosed as as seriously mentally ill and focusing on thanksgiving God used that tool to lift them out of it. I need, I need thanksgiving in my prayers. You know, if prayer is about a relationship there, then prayer is not a carefully worded speech to God. Sometimes I find myself on my knees and I listen to myself and I'm like, oh, and this is a speech. I'm supposed to be just... Talking with God, as to a friend, real prayer does not need the language of the old King James Version. real prayer needs the language of my heart. We speak from the heart to God, yes, we speak respectfully that 's very important, but we speak from our hearts. you know I love the way the the, the hymn writer um, Mary Shorey, she, she wrote about this kind of prayer, and she said, "I tell him all my sorrows. I tell him all my joys. I tell him all that pleases me. I tell him what a noise. Do you talk to God about all of those things? That's a relationship. That's direct. And, and then in the next line, she continues with these words. Some of you know the hymn. We're going to sing it today. The next three words are, He tells me. Prayer is a two-way Conversation, You know, this, this, this thing of listening to God and hearing Him in prayer is a, is a real challenge. I don't know if you've ever heard something and, you know, sometimes I go, is that my thought or is that really something that's coming from God? And friends, if you're ever wondering about that, just line it up with Scripture. If it lines directly with Scripture, then you can know that the original source of it is from God. But have you had a moment when you've been praying, telling God something, and something comes into your mind and you know that was God, I heard from God in an extra real way today. Have you had one of those moments? I did once. They don't happen very often, but I remember once. and I, I had um, I'd written a letter to, this was years ago, all right, Honey, this was years ago. I'd written a letter to, to a young lady and, and just inviting her to be in a relationship and, and I posted that letter off, really old school, no emails, and um, I remember praying about it each day and I remember praying to God and saying, Dear God, I don't want to take no for an answer. Not my will, but yours be done. But I don't want to take no for an answer. And this message came clearly into my mind, and I still remember it today. That's the way I feel about you. God doesn't want to take no for an answer from me. He's so desperate to have a relationship with me, He said to me, Oh, and I never want to take no for an answer. From you. Give God the opportunity to to speak to you. You know, too too often. uh, Too often I'm I'm rushing on to the next point in my prayer, or I'm rushing off to the next task in my day that it doesn't really allow for that to happen. Here's something for us to consider. In the midst of this maddening rush, this crazy life we live in, God is speaking. He bids us come apart and commune with him. Be still and know that I am God. Not a pause for a moment in his presence, but personal contact with Christ. To sit down in companionship with him. This is our need. Does someone have leg number three? We've got a young person who can bring leg number three up to us. Thank you, Stephen. Just a bit of a traffic jam in that row. Stephen, what is leg number three? It says fellowship. Thank you. It says fellowship. Let me see where does this one go. Let's just put this in the, in the stool. Uh, are, you, um, are you ready to sit down on this yet? It's getting a bit better, isn't it? I mean, you might be able to balance on, on three legs, but I think there's a fourth one coming, all right? <laughs> fellowship. What's the importance of fellowship in my relationship with God. You know, it's interesting that fellowship was really—it was the way of the early church. They—they did, they actually didn't come to a church. They'd gather at the temple a little bit, but they gathered mostly where—in homes. In homes, Acts two forty-two and forty-six reminds us of this. We read that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine or teaching, and fellowship. And fellowship. And that fellowship involved the breaking of bread or sharing a meal together and what? Some of you got it open. And prayers. Verse 46, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they visited each other. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. And you know, we read that the church grew. Fellowship was a key element of the early Christian church. You know what one of the biggest problems in the world today is? Loneliness. Loneliness. God gives us the antidote to loneliness. When he calls us to fellowship, not just for our sake, but for the sake of others, you know, later on the the Apostle Paul he became concerned that some were ignoring the importance of fellowship. Some were going like, Well, I can stay home and watch Hope or 3 ABN or something like this, you know. And um, I can get really, really good sermons from there, so I'll just do that. And Paul had a word for them in Hebrews ten, twenty-five. He said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another or encouraging one another, and so much more as we see the day approaching. Uh, see, the purpose, one of the purpose, purposes of fellowship is that we encourage one another. That we encourage each other. And Paul said, this is really important as we see the day approaching. You know, I, I find it really interesting because I'm sure that there were many problems in the New Testament church. I knew that I know that there were problems in the church of Jesus' time, and never once did Jesus say, Look, don't bother about church. Jesus' example, his custom was to go to the synagogue. As corrupt as it was, he still went. Because there were people there for him to fellowship with and to bless. And to bless. Encouragement is an important purpose of fellowship. And you know, I need encouragement from my brothers and sisters as I build my relationship with Christ. Let's look at Galatians 6 and verse 2. Let's open there. Galatians 6 and verse 2 and um, see what the purpose is that's behind this verse here, these words of instructions from Paul to the church in Galatia. Galatians 6 verse 2. I'm happy for someone to read it out nice and loudly. Bear one another's burdens. In other words... Support. Support one another. And as we do that, we fulfill what? The law of Christ. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about one of the laws of Christ. We called it the 11th commandment. And Jesus said, a new commandment I'm giving to you that you do what? Love one another. When we love one another, we fulfill Christ's law. And loving one another means to support one another. And as I see Christ in you, as you support me, that actually grows my relationship with Christ. And as I practice being Christ-like in my support of you, that grows my relationship with him too. I encourage you to look later at Colossians 3. Twelve sixteen. there are some amazing things that the apostle calls us to do. He says, put on, put on kindness, put on tender mercies, put on humility. In other words, he's saying, put on Christ, become Christ-like. That's part of my relationship with Christ. He also encourages us to worship together, and he indicates that this, this fellowship is where we have a time of of teaching and learning wisdom as well as worshipping together. Just a little commercial break. Have you noticed what we're doing in Sabbath school? Prayer? Bible study? Fellowship? If you're missing out on Sabbath school, Give it a go next Sabbath where we can encourage each other, where we can join together in these things. Does someone have leg number four? Another young man's going to bring it forward for us, or is he going to delegate? A young lady. Thank you, Atta. Atta has the fourth and final leg. You know, as I looked at this, you might be able to think of five or you might be able to condense it down to three, but this is a model for us to look at a balance in our relationship. What does this one say, Atta? Working with Jesus. Jesus. If you had to put that into one word, beginning with W, what else might you call that? Witnessing, and you know, I'm just wondering how many of you, as um as we started talking about the legs of the stool, started thinking what form might they be, and and perhaps you got um, most or, or even all of these. Thank you, persuasion. I hope they stay in now. And there, oops we'll need some some binding glue or something maybe that's the holy spirit to help us along you know why is it that witnessing is so important in my relationship with christ you know i think sometimes either fellowship or witnessing can easily be the forgotten leg if you like why is witnessing or working with jesus so important look at what paul said here to the church in colossians in Colossae, he said, to this end, I also labor. That, when he was saying to this end, he, he was talking about sharing the gospel and teaching others about Christ. He said, I labor to this end doing what? Striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Whose working works in Paul, is he saying? Christ is working in me. It's like as I work with him, he works in me. Christ working in me is that relationship. 100%. That's relationship. That's relationship building. Cuz you know it, whenever you work closely with someone, do you get to know them better? Absolutely. And as long as it's a healthy relationship, it will grow stronger and stronger as you work closely with them. You can learn from that person as well as the relationship grows. You know, as we work with Jesus, we also learn to depend on him. That's key for our relationship. As I learned that Jesus really is dependable. This is what Paul said to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As you are working with Jesus, who provides for all your needs? Jesus does. Is that relationship building? It should be. Absolutely. Unless I work with him, I won't be able to experience full dependence on him. And my trust in him, my relationship with him, won't be able to grow as much as it might otherwise do. You know, I love the words of Christ to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. Paul really wants to witness for God. And you know, he was a powerful witness, but he had some impediment. He called it the thorn in his flesh. And he pleaded with God three times. He pleaded with God. He said, this is getting in the way of my me working for you. Please take it away. And what did God say to him? My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You know, my weakness is my understanding of my inadequacy to really share the gospel with others. But God's promise is that His strength can shine through when I realize my limits my weaknesses, and as that happens, my relationship grows with him as I learn to trust him more and more. So there we have it, four legs of the relationship stool, Bible study, prayer, working with Jesus, fellowship. I want to suggest that if one of the legs is missing or or, or maybe a whole lot shorter than the others, and how do you measure these things? This is not something that we put an exact tool on or anything. But if we don't have all of these elements, something won't be as balanced. Our relationship won't be as all-rounded. It won't be able to grow to the full potential that God wants It too. All four. On one of his crossings of the Niagara, a blondin appeared on the Canadian end of the cable carrying his manager, Harry Colcord, on his back. And he piggybacked him across that rope. It must have been a bit of a bouncy ride because they said some of the guy ropes that were stabilizing the main rope snapped in the process. But as they were setting out, Blondin gave the following instructions to Harry. Look up, Harry. You are no longer Colcord. You are Blondin. Until I clear this place, be a part of me, mind, body, and soul. We have to be one, Harry. Look up, Harry. I find them fascinating words to reflect on in light of my relationship with Christ. Jesus says to you and me, look up, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, on the cross, keep looking up, and he really wants to be one with us. He wants me to no longer be me, but he wants me to be him. He wants to be in me and through me in all things. And at the same time, He promises to carry me to the other side. Our part is to look up, to fix our eyes on Christ, and to do all we can to strengthen our grip on Him, our relationship with Him. To stay close, so close that we become one with him. So I want to ask you today as we consider the four legs of our relationship with Christ. Is God calling me to focus this week a little more on one of these Is one leg a little short there's one leg inactive I can't tell you what that is that's for you and God to work out I hope you hear him speaking and saying that's the one what will you do differently This week, to strengthen your grip, your hold on the only one who can get you to the other side.
0: This message was made available by the Barrel Seventh-day Adventist Church. For more resources like this, visit barreladventist.church. Stephanie Dawn and John Kang sang in times like these. Up next, Reggie Smith will be singing, He Looked Beyond My Fault.
3: Amazing grace shall always be my song. i
0: Let's listen to Bill Ackland as he reads from his book, Talking With God. The prayer I would like to share with you today is entitled, A Baby. And then I have a a text that goes with this, which is from 1 Peter 2, verse 2. Like a newborn baby, thirst for the pure milk of the word that brings you salvation. And then as an introduction to the prayer... Whether a new experience for us or a precious memory of far-off years, holding and caring for our own baby is like no other. How can such a little one be so perfectly complete? What joy they bring and what concern we may have for them for their future. The best thing we can do for them is to dedicate them to God as Hannah did thousands of years ago. Let us pray. Our father, giver and sustainer of all life. What a wonder is a baby. In the animal world, the newborn are like magnets to our eyes, frolicking and frisking like perpetual motion machines. How cute, we say, and we want to pat and stroke their fluffy, furry little bodies and bestow upon them the love they deserve. Bird chicks, not quite as pretty, are all a squawk as they protest how hungry they are. If I am not fed right now, I shall die, they squeak. You, O Lord, along with us, must smile at the way nature's newborns ensure they are not forgotten. But human babies are something else. They can't gamble in the grass, but they can and do make sure they are not forgotten in the food department and in other areas too. We see the likeness of us, of their parents or other family members, in their angel faces, and we wonder how we ever existed without them. In the wonderment that babies bring, we, in a partial way, enter into that act of creation when you made the world and our first parents. Our minds cannot help turning to your son as he became the baby Jesus, nestling in Mother Mary's arms. This is something we cannot properly understand, but we know it is true because you have revealed this beautiful, life-giving birth in your word. So, dear Lord, as we gaze upon our baby, our babies, we may look upon them not only as little ones, cute and cuddly as they are, but as candidates for that heavenly home our Saviour is preparing for his people. May these precious ones be there, and all our families too. In your name I pray. Amen. obtain your copy of Talking With God, written by Bill Ackland, give us a call in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au.
4: I'm Marilyn, the two-tip lady, and I love to give tips to help make your life more simple. Question for you. Do you ever feel absolutely hopeless? Like the world is a dark, dark place? Look around you. Even in the cold, dreary winter, there is colour. Vibrant colour. Winter flowers, sunrises and sunsets... Children wearing their bright, colourful clothes. Life is full of colour, no matter the season. Sure, there are dark corners, but there are usually cracks somewhere that let in the light. Leonard Cohen sang in a really spine-tingling way to me, There's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. I used to think we had to look for the light, but when it's dark and there's a crack of light... We don't have to hunt for it. It's simply there. Even if our eyes are shut, we all know when there's a crack of light. So let the light shine. The key here is let. Let the light and beautiful colours bring hope and light deep inside. Hmm. So you're worried? You don't know how things are going to turn out? Things are looking dark? So... Let the light shine. There's bound to be a crack of light, at least. So my first tip today is to let the light shine. I think I hear you asking, how? There's a promise in Psalm 1828, and here's what it says. For thou wilt light my candle, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. So let God do this. How? Well, when I was a kid, we used to sing a song. No, I won't sing it to you, but I will give you the words. Sing and smile and pray, that's the only way. If you sing and smile and pray, you'll drive the clouds away. So my second tip is a simple one too. Here it is. Why worry when you can pray? Or, with my perverse sort of brain, I perhaps could put it another way. Why pray if you're going to worry? So many times we pray and worry. So here's what to do. Read Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. No, I'm not going to quote it now. You've got to grab a pen and write that down. Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 34. Go on, read it, believe it, and do it. Because Jesus himself said to, and Jesus tells the truth. When you pray to our loving God who bends down and listens to us, who knows our needs, the light will shine and the darkness will be gone. Go on, just do it. Two simple tips today. Let the light shine and why worry when you can pray? Take action and your life will become more simple, guaranteed. So that's it today from the Two-Tip Lady who loves to help make your life more simple.
2: It's been a pleasure bringing you this program here on 3ABN Australia Radio.